and welcome to the Eastman's Predator Pros Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Nimnick, and we are back. And luckily, I'm inside today. I'm not outside freezing because I think right now we're sitting at about a 30 below wind chill, maybe 35 below wind chill. I'm sure wherever you're at, um, at least by the time you're listening to this podcast, it's warming up a little bit. But it seems like a big bulk of the country right now is getting hit. Um, I, I can't say I'm a huge fan to be out calling coyotes when when it's this cold, although I've done it a lot. Um, I'm kind of a hoodie, you know, guy. If I can kill coyotes in hoodies, that's what I prefer. But um, hopefully, if you are getting after them, hopefully you're getting some response. Sometimes these coyotes, man, they act kind of goofy when it gets crazy cold like that. But guessing here by the end of the week, the uh, the coyote hunting ought to be back. You know, and hey, we're getting close, you know, in a lot, a lot of parts of the country here within the next, over the next couple, two to three weeks, you know, the coyotes are kind of making that transition. You know, some of these females will be coming into heat. Um, you know, I think some of these older coyotes get a little more aggressive. So, you know, if you've been struggling for the uh, the last month or two, you know, this is kind of what we all hope for here at the end of a coyote season, per se, if there is really such a thing that maybe we can get on some of these older, more aggressive coyotes, get to use some of those, you know, badass coyote sounds, some of those coyote fights and breeding sounds that you find on these lucky duck calls. So, I'm excited, but uh, got my good buddy Rick Collett on this episode. You know, I was down in Kansas with him last week or two weeks ago at this point um, for the Kansas Thermal Opener. It sounds crazy to say that, but they actually have a thermal season for coyotes that runs from January 1st till the the end of March, um, which is a pretty cool idea. I, I really like the concept of that. But, you know, for the last few years, we've made that uh, the priority to go down there and film you know, run on Pulsars and, and things like that, which Pulsar is the sponsor of, of the Last Stand show. But, uh, you know, this year we hit it perfect. Weather was good. We hunted coyotes, um, you know, for say maybe a half to two thirds of the night. You know, we we were hunting till one, one thirty. That one night we hunted a little bit longer because it was the last night there. Then we come back and sleep and we get up, eat some lunch and then head out and call raccoons all afternoon and then head back to, to Rick's house and get all our thermal stuff ready and we'd head right out. So it's always a, it's always a really fun trip. You know, this year I think we killed 25 coyotes and another, I don't know, maybe 14 or 15 raccoons. So it was a fun one, but before we get to that, I need to thank the sponsors of this episode, which are silencer central and Cryptech. Um, you know, I've got my banished gold suppressor. Um, to be honest with you, I haven't even had my last month has been so busy. I haven't even had a chance to get it on my gun yet. Um, but I have a, have a few days coming up here. I'm going to get it on there. I'm going to shoot it. Um, but I'll tell you what, you know, I've talked to a handful of guys now at this point that have gotten their suppressors through silencer central. You know, I got to go through the process myself, um, to experience it firsthand. And I can tell you, man, I mean, it's super fast. I just, um, the way that they have streamlined this, I mean, compared to the way I got my first suppressor back in 2008, I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, you simply go to their website. Um, you buy your suppressor, there'll be an option. I think you can have them mail you your fingerprint card. You take your passport photo with your cell phone. You upload this right to their site. You send the fingerprint card back in. Um, they get you all set up to do your electronic ATF pins and things like that, that you'll need, which doesn't take very long at all. And then write the last step. Uh, one of their customer service people will set up a phone call with you about a five to eight minute phone call. They'll run through everything, make sure everything's good to go, um, and they'll submit everything for you. And then you just wait. You're waiting, you know, an hour. It's probably eight or ten months. But at that point, once your paperwork comes back, they ship your suppressor right to your door. 
So it's crazy fast. I think right now, at least maybe right before Christmas, they had a, a buy a suppressor, get a 22 cal suppressor for free. So like I said, if you're in the market, you know, at this point, I think everybody's heard of suppressors, um, have talked to somebody or probably knows somebody with a suppressor. Um, and if you're one of the last ones to jump on the boat, um, you know, it's time. And, and this system is is the best way to do it. So you can head over to their website, silencercentral.com, and it'll walk you right through there. Super easy process. Now, with Cryptech, there's no better time to talk about Cryptech than right now with the temps the way they are. Um, I love my puffy jacket. I know people make fun of me, and I'm wearing a puffer jacket and things like that. But I'll tell you what, that thing is freaking warm. I mean, at any point this coyote season, and I ha I wasn't out there in this 20, 30 below, but I was, uh, you know, I've hunted some stuff that was definitely down in single digits with, you know, wind chills and things like that. I, I wear a t-shirt, a hoodie, and this puffer jacket, and that's it. You know, that's for me, you know, coyote hunting is all about layering up because, well, in my opinion, hunting coyotes is one of the hardest things to dress for. So, you know, being able to layer up, you know, early in the morning, it's cold, you know, it always warms up if you're hunting all day. You know, the middle part of the day is going to warm up. Sometimes you have maybe a 20, 30, 40 degree temperature swing, you know, so you definitely want to layer up. Um, but I tell you, that puffy jacket, man, I mean, it cuts the wind. It is just warm. Granted, I, you know, I'm pretty rough on them. That's the only thing. They aren't crazy durable. You know, if you're leaning up against fences and catching it on thorny branches and things like that, before you know it, you'll be leaking feathers, you know, all over your truck and things like that. But um, you know, I have, I have a puffy jacket in both the Highlander pattern and their new flyway pattern. Um, but, uh, absolutely love them. So, um, you know, if you're in the market for a full line of, of camouflage, you know, Cryptech offers, you know, pants, bibs, hoodies, different, of variety of jackets, gloves, you name it. They, they offer it all. So, um, you know, if you're looking to pick up something, maybe in that Highlander pattern or that new flyway pattern, I'm telling you, I think that flyway pattern, um, is probably, uh, for me, coyote hunting wise blends in the best when you're talking about yellow grass and pastures and things like that. I mean, it's spot on, um, at least what I've seen so far. But yeah, if you're in the market for that, you can swing over to their website, which is cryptech.com, and you can look at their whole line and uh, see if you can find something that works for them. But uh, let's get Rick on here and let's get this going. Mr. Rick Pellett, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me. I feel like I was just there at your house. I'm looking at your house right now, and I feel like I was just there. You was. <laughs> Except, that, look, I got out of Dodge at the right time, man. This winter storm set in, and it's like, damn. Yep, it started kind of getting crappy right after you guys left. Yeah, I'm guessing have, you probably haven't done much thermal hunting since we've been out there, huh? Well, after that first blast came in jimmy and i picked up a neighbor over here and went and tried it and got hung up in the snow i put the scoop shovel in because i told them guys i said it's been a long time since we had drifts out here boys but the old tundra dug on through it we didn't need it but i don't know we could we tried four stands and i said piss on it let's go home they just it, it, i thought they'd be moving but they weren't but who knows? As soon as we got home, they probably, you know what, I, you know how that is. I think when oh, we were yeah. hunting, they, like when you were out, there'd be four times when we'd make a few stands and not see nothing, and then all hell would break loose. You guys get this, uh, you know, like the last couple nights here, it's been like negative, almost negative 20, just normal. I mean, that's not even counting wind chill. Did you guys get that cold or not? 
Uh, I think it was 16 below last night. So that's well, that's even colder where you're at because you got that humidity yeah. too. Yeah, it's yeah. unbearable. There wasn't. I didn't. I texted Jimmy and I said, "Let's go hit it like Saturday night when it was blowing about 40 and it was about zero or what's this? This Monday? Yeah, Saturday. This last one blew through and he he's he's like, you crazy? I said, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny with this storm. I I got, you know, just like you, you know, you get lots of messages. I get lots of messages. I mean, I probably got six different messages in the last two days. Like, hey, I got this contest. Um, It's going to be super cold out. What sounds do I need to be playing? <laughs> I'm like, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, there's no special, just because it's going to be abnormally cold. I mean, I, I guess I don't understand guys' mentality sometimes. I think there's going to be a, a different sound just because it's ass cold out, you know? Yeah, but, I don't, I don't know how to answer some of that stuff. Sometimes I would think if I would, I would probably just start playing rabbit because they got to be hungry. You, you know, I've I've seen when it's abnormally cold, like the coyotes don't move, like it's weird, you know, like it's almost like they're in conservation mode, right? Like, yep, yep. I yeah, think they don't. I think they probably stand uh, in my mind. I always like to picture them when I start calling. You know, like oh, yeah. they hear that, and they stand up and they look at each other and they try to gauge how far that sounds coming away you know what i mean and then they're like i'll piss on it that's too far or whatever we ain't gonna spend that kind of energy to go clear over there i think ours are kind of sissy coyotes because we don't get this kind of weather you know what i mean it oh yeah i think they just say piss on it then there's a, around here there's every farmer's got a dead crit it ain't like it's hard for them to find something to eat around here and hang out close to it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's always different. <laughs> I, I had a guided hunt these last couple of days that ended up, we ended up canceling it and scheduling it for later in February because I wasn't too excited about it and they weren't either, you know? So I said, good, let's, let's reschedule. No sense in being out there freezing our asses off. We don't have to be, you know? Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, I want to talk about, you know, I was just out in Kansas. We were filming for The Last Stand. You know, we had a whole table full of Pulsar stuff we, we yeah. had at our disposal. Um, I mean, we, you know, we've been what now? This is what, was this the third or fourth year we've done this thermal hunt? Third? I think it was third, isn't it? Yeah, I think third. Yep. Is this, because this is the, yeah, because this is the third season that Kansas has had a, a thermal night season, right? Yes. Third I year? I, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the, the first year it was super cold. Wind was blowing a little bit. Last year we hit the weather. The weather was just trash the whole time we were there, it seemed like. Yeah. This rain. time, this, yeah. This time we hit it pretty dang good as far as scheduling hunts way out in advance. I don't, yep. you know, we couldn't have probably picked a better three days if we were even sitting on the calendar waiting to go, you know, looking at the forecast. Minus that fog. Yeah. You know, but I'll tell you what, I mean, by you i was super impressed with the pulsars in the fog you know you always hear that that yeah. fog and humidity and just 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 crashes out a, a thermal image i don't know about you i was pretty i was pretty impressed i was too i, I was using that xl whatever it is yeah that xl that merger xl 50 well you had the scope too the, the xl 50 oh. scope yeah yeah oh and i i i was impressed because i got you know i got some other thermals i'm not going to knock anybody else's thermals but i couldn't I, i've never been able to see that good in the night when it was foggy like that 
I mean, it was foggy. It was, it was misty and on my glasses. It was it was bad. And yeah, we yeah, were able to kill him. Driving from stand to stand, hell, you couldn't see what fifty feet in front of the truck with the headlights. Yep. I couldn't yep. really see I the got, road. <laughs> I got lost on my own farm. We should have got the thermal out to drive us out of there. Yeah, yeah, that was our last stand of that first night. Rick's like, yeah, that's uh, that's it's time to go. And I get lost on my own little you know section farm or how many how many acres is that little farm there 210 yeah yeah when you get lost on your own 210 acre farm because it's so foggy it's time to head home yeah i didn't know where i was did i that's a fact no because no. we had heard those coyotes howling in there so you're like oh yeah. I, I think i got an idea and then yeah you're driving and you don't yeah it's hard when the fuck you have no clue and yeah. we ended up ended up going a little deeper than i think you wanted to you know but well yeah they i mean we <laughs> Right next to him, I think. I think so. <laughs> but yeah, it'll be interesting, you know. I, you know, when these when these episodes come out, we're always trying to do things a little different, you know. And I mean, if you yep. look on YouTube, there's a million kill shots with thermal out there and on social media, you know. So we're trying to do it a little bit different. You know, that whole first night we filmed the entire episode with nothing but the thermals, you yep. know. So I'm curious to see how that'll turn out, you know, with the B-roll stuff of us walking in and setting up and talking and driving and just all the stuff that you normally see. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious yeah. for those, for those guys to get a hold of that footage and see how they, they can edit it all together. I think it's going to be cool. I do too. Cause I mean, what, you know, last year, you know, Pulsar came on board as a sponsor of the show. So it was kind of a last minute thing. We didn't have all quite the, the stuff we needed, but this year we were set up. I mean, we had two pairs of those new XL fifties merger binos that the camera guys used. And then you and I were running our scopes. I was running that XP50 and you were running the XL50. Um, you know, then we each had a pair of merger binoculars on us as well, you know, right. scanning that we each have. So yeah, I mean, it was it was cool. I'm I'm yeah, you know, so these suckers will be coming out in February. I'm excited to to see, you know. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm excited to see too. I want to see that that last one that where the mob came in and was oh. my was Mike the first night that triple we got? Yeah, that was, that was a good one too. You know, we yeah. did a one, two, three, and then you got the third one running off your side. You know, <laughs> so but you know, talk about the one, two, three stuff. We were about what? We weren't a hundred percent on the one, two, three. No, I, sh I shanked the one on the second night on the one, two, three. Um, so what were we about? Maybe sixty-six percent on counting down, getting shot. You know, but. I've honestly, I've never really done that much ever. I don't know why, but in the day, you know what I mean? I just don't, we just don't yeah. do that. Yes. I don't know. Maybe, me and Jimmy were talking about that after you left. We're going to try to do more of that. Yeah. The hardest thing to do is count and shoot. Yeah. You know, cause you're like counting and, and you're almost like your body's moving a little bit. Right. You know, and you're, it's almost like your mind takes over as far as something as simple as counting instead of focusing on shooting, you know? Um, but it's nice. Like, so, you know, when we knocked down the, the three coyotes in one shot, yeah, we had the, we had the camera guy count backwards. <laughs> backwards. Yeah. So this, yeah, I mean, yeah, this, this stand, I mean, when you guys see this on the last, on this episode, it'll be, it'll be the season finale episode. Um, and it, it was a crazy night. Let's just talk about that night in general. I mean, we killed 12 coyotes. Um, what we hunted till about three thirty or so, you know, we didn't even hunt all night. 
Yep. We yep. went like we, we go double quad double, you know. So we killed eight coyotes in three stands right there towards the end of the night. But you know, Cam man, you know he's he was one of our camera guys. Not a big hunter. Had never really used thermal, so we didn't quite know what. You know, those guys, how many times did he call out something in the first couple nights? And we're like, no, no, that's a deer or something, you know? So there's a rabbit. Yeah. Um, And he happened to be, we were kind of all piled in along the cedar tree, you know? So there's five of us, you know, Jimmy, Rick's buddy there was with us. And then the two camera guys, we're all kind of piled in around this cedar tree. And the stand before we had called in five coyotes kind of that came from a long, long ways. But we'd heard yep. coyotes howling all over the place. And mm-hmm. you were like, you were like, hey, I think I know where that that group of coyotes is down there. Yep. It didn't sound it didn't sound like eight coyotes when they were howling. It sounded like, you know, just your normal group, but yeah. Well, you just we got set up around this cedar tree, and Cam was off to the far left. Rick was the far left shooter, and we were kind of wrapped around. Well, all of a sudden I couldn't even see it, but Rick, you I think you just let off a couple lone house started off, didn't you? Yeah, Bondy, Long Howe, yep. You know, and these coyotes were just, what, maybe 300 yards up on top of the little hill there. They weren't very far. And they didn't even howl back. No, they did not. There was eight of them up there, and they didn't even, not a single one even howled. They just, pretty soon, two of them popped up. And I think, I think, I don't know if you or Cam spotted them first, the two. Cam did. He said, get down here or something. I don't remember exactly what all but he started babbling. There's 10 of them. And I was like, he's crazy. Yeah. And I, I leaned out where I could see around that evergreen was my mergers. And I was like, Holy crap. There's, there is a pile of them. And I, I run down there and then I think I started telling you guys, come on, come on, get down here, get down here. I, I don't really, really remember exactly how it all unfolded, but that had to be pretty close. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about night hunting is we were able to move, you know, five or eight feet, you know, to get, set up right you know coyotes aren't going to quite see you but we weren't in the right they were coming from hard left so we kind of all moved our firing line per se you know (laughs) to get set up to where we could all shoot and yeah when i first saw them i was like holy crap like i i've never seen a wad of coyotes i don't know that many you know kind of coming i still didn't think it was going to work because they they could have just went left you know and had our wind easy yeah yeah they that's kind of the weird i see that at night sometimes they don't always yeah, sometimes they go weird directions. They don't always go for the wind, you know? Yeah, I don't Whereas... know. Once everybody got down there, though, I, I remember I turned on baby cottontail demise, and then yeah. just just they just came on. A couple of them did bank to the left like I figured the whole wad was, but not all of them. I was you disappointed know after we went on three, then I didn't have nothing else to shoot. I don't know how they disappeared in there, but they did. Well, yeah, you know, once we went out there and retrieved those coyotes, it's it's always hard to see that terrain, you know, in those thermals. And yeah, there was just this little dip, and they, all but that one that I got rolling, like everyone else was gone instantly. Like, yep. I just in my mind, I'm like, man, if that would have been across one of those bare like 200 yard dirt fields or something <laughs> like that. Yep, that, I I was hoping, but no, well, we it didn't work. We could have had uh, we three ARs on stand. We could have, yeah. I'm I'm thinking we could have got six, maybe seven of them if they all, like I said, I don't think all eight ended up coming. I think there was at least six that, but we had them all within about 75 yards. So, yep. Did you, did you get a C where, where did they get the, where they all three dropped, bam? On, yeah. On... Oh, yeah. 
yeah, because I have it on my scope, and then you know we have about four different angles of it. You yeah, know? I had I had mine running too. So, but I was zoomed in; I could only see the two me and you shot that were kind of together. Yeah, yeah. You know what was funny too when we walked out to pick those up, the one I shot to the right was like fifteen yards deeper than the oh, one they, you shot. They weren't standing right together. It then. looked, but it looked like they were standing right next to each other. You know, I was like, I don't know which one's on the left now. <laughs> that turned out pretty good could have been for, for as chaotic i'm telling you because because right at the last second i think i said damn you count down we'll shoot on three yeah. and then and then the coyotes all instantly kind of stop and cam goes three two and i'm like oh god <laughs> luckily we all we we all understood what was going on we all shot on one and <laughs> that was pretty good <laughs> hey something else i was thinking about that might not work on that when you count to three uh what you never know if your scope's going to do that refresh you know what i mean it could yeah. refresh at the time you, i'm like i just thought of that yeah about the time you hit two and it refreshes, you're like whoa, whoa, whoa wait 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 <laughs> i'm sure yeah. i'm sure that screwed some guys before it hadn't happened to us but i'm i'm definitely I'm positive there's some stories out there of guys where that refresh is probably probably yep. hosed them out of a one, two, three. Yep, it would have to occasionally. <laughs> no, that was that was, you know, yeah. I mean, that's what you thermal hunt for. You know, I I really like the more and more I come down there and hunt that thermal season that you guys have in Kansas, the more and more I like that concept. Yeah. You know? Of a, of a of a designated thermal season i'm sure there's a lot of guys that thermal hunt year round they're like piss on that but you know i just for, i don't know whatever it is maybe just as a i don't know a coyote hunting connoisseur i don't know to me it's it's like let the day hunters do their thing in the fall you know mm. and then and then <laughs> they can get it you know but then let and then after that you know let the thermal guys come in and you know clean I'd house been, i'd been over thanksgiving like we're with Jason, where he he behind the old man's house there. Yeah, my, I mean where that pack came out of that pasture there. Yep, I'd been I'd called there twice. Yeah, over, it, over where where we do with Patterson, you know, by kind of the tight quartered spot, you know what I mean? Where yep. he shot, I'd set it up there, but I tried not to play any vocals, you know, just prayed and stress because I knew I was going to be howling and playing the fights when you got there yeah yeah that didn't bother them any i think no. they don't mess with it night yet you know what i mean so they they you know what i mean yep. yeah i think they're in their own little zone at night like you said like yeah i think there's been no frequency of pressure at night so they you know yeah. they think they're just running like they normally do until, until the shots start ringing out <laughs> yeah that i don't know you know I, I i was doing a little research i didn't i couldn't find any other states that have a does do you know of any other states that have a designated thermal season like that that you've heard I, I don't know i've never really looked i would think there would be some they wouldn't i don't know you, you so you think they're most if you got thermal season it's year round just like the everything else you know, most I, of the western stuff is you know like Wyoming, Colorado, you know, Montana, South Dakota, North Dakota. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like that's all, 
you know, if you can hunt coyotes, you can hunt them day or night, thermal, it doesn't matter, you know. I I'm wondering if it's more of those Midwest states, maybe. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I like I I like it the way it is. I hope they leave it that way. Yeah, it's uh, it appeals to everybody, you know, because you still I think you still have a lot of the day hunters that haven't spent the money on thermal yet or don't really care to, right. um, and they can still get you know they can get their quality calling in early and then mm -hmm. you know and and from a predator management standpoint, right? Like if you're really worried about going and thinning out coyotes, now's the time you want to do it anyway. You know those coyotes are killing in October, November. You know, I mean, yeah. new coyotes yep. are going to move in, but if you're wanting to thin some stuff out for the deer herds and calving lots and stuff like that, you know, February, March, that's the time to get in there anyway. So makes sense. Yep, I think you're right. I like it because I because I can watch them. I like the how. I know you always give me crap about that, but I I do it a lot so they answer, and then I I I know the area so well. I it's like that worked out with that eight pack. You know, I know I knew them were over there right there somewhere. I I so, you know, yeah. So let's talk about that howling. You know, I don't do a lot of howling, and I, you know, if I do any howling, I simply use it for a locating tool, right? Yep. I mean, do you feel like you mostly? Like when we hunted most of those stands, you did start off with some lone howls. Yep. And and granted, we had a couple coyotes that were close that showed right up. Mm -hmm. You know, when you and I talk about that, you know, that coyote was only three hundred yards or less when you howled, and here they came running. Would that would that a same those same coyotes if you'd have started off with a rabbit or a pup distress with those same coyotes come running in the same they did to the howls? <laughs> yeah, there ain't no way of knowing. I yeah. I I feel like out here or you know when you go in your sand hills there there ain't been a guy you know what i mean like when we go on dad's or any of my spots somebody patterson could be in the, on the next fence line oh you know what i mean i just feel like oh, yeah. if they've heard rabbit and they've already ran in there and little timmy lost a leg and somebody else got shotgunned and you know what i mean i just yeah. feel like i don't even want to play any of that stuff if they've already heard it i think that's why i do it plus i like it to hear them i like it to answer to have them howl so i can try to figure out where they're at i don't know i just i just like to like to howl and for some reason so you're doing it for multiple reasons a to find out where they're at because now you know where you can go next yeah and you and you're using it as a tool to potentially get the coyote to come in as well yeah i'm i'm yeah. assuming but he's already played TNT or shelter belt or Scooby snack to it, you know? Yeah. So I just, I don't want to turn anything on that. I think they've already heard. I, heard I, I, I tend to overthink stuff and give them too much credit. Yeah, we all do. You know, that's common. I think, you know, <laughs> do you feel that, you know, I I've gotten this comment, from a guys that thermal hunt way more than I mean, obviously my that was my first time I thermal hunted all season. I haven't thermal hunted since, but you know, guys that do this a lot, some guys seem to think that they get better responses at night out of the pup distresses and the coyote fights than they do in the daytime. That make have you seen that with what you're doing or? Well, they don't, they don't answer. Like if I go howling like I do when we thermal hunt, they don't answer me like that. They just don't. I just think there, there's more traffic and more people moving around. I just think they don't howl a lot in the daytime for me anyway. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. As far as the pup playing pup fights and, you know, other coyote fights. No, no. No difference. I mean, you have them come running in the daytime just as good as at night. Yep, for sure. Yep. You know, another thing, too, I noticed, like that group of eight coyotes. Like, I've never seen that in the daytime. I mean, other than if there's like a dead cow, you know, or something. You know, and who yep. knows that we don't know what was up over that hill. There could have been a deer. Yeah. You're something right. up there. But it's almost like two, they group, they bunch up a little bit more at night. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I like we call I them know. lots of like groups of coyotes. I, and maybe that's just norm for your area, but I don't know. I think in the evenings when you hear hear that one, the whatever it is, whether it's a female or a male, just from what I see here at home, right? Yeah. So so the boss, the boss of a particular area, he lets out that evening, you know, that when they start fire, get fired up and they get up and they, he howls and maybe his girlfriend or maybe it's another male. I don't know. You know, you never know. So they do them long howls and then you hear all that joining in and yep. Yeah. I think the coyotes are spread out in the daytime a little bit. And I think when the big shots howl. I think they all kind of join up. They're all kind of gathering up for a little meet and greet or something. And then, cause then they bicker and fight or I hear them, you know, yeah. doing it. Not, not the ones at my house, even the local ones are always trying to come up here, you know, and try to engage with what I got going on up here. Yeah. So I get to hear a lot of, a lot of stuff going on down below my hill here, you know, along the Creek. I don't know. I just, it seems to me like they're scattered out, but when they do that serenade at, you know, about dusk, like they always do, or right after dark, I almost think they're coming together and getting a playing grab ass a little bit and figuring out what, I don't know. I'm sure it's even more during breeding season, you know, they're all chasing them females. So, Oh yeah. But it's I unique don't. To, it's unique when you think about it. Cause if you do, if you read about coyotes, right. And you read, you know, coyotes by nature are a solitary animal, right? Like they're not yeah. a pack animal like wolves, but there's all these instances where you see groups of coyotes and just <laughs> like pairs of coyotes. I mean, this this season alone in this this fall, I bet you I killed 10 or 15 old pairs of coyotes in, you know, October, November and December, right? Uh, old yep. male and female came running in to get, you know, so that doesn't even make sense. Like, right? Like. Yeah. What we all know, yep. like, oh, this pair is supposed to leave and then they're not going to meet back up, you know, till February, right? Like, nah, there's like sometimes these pairs run together hell the whole damn season, it seems like. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't read anything that's been wrote about them to speak of. You know what I mean? I just go <laughs> off I, what I learn and see in the wild. And I don't, I think it's just nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> They yeah, they think... say they mate for life, right? Well, that wouldn't be very that wouldn't be much of. I mean, you probably wouldn't be mated before the winter was over. You know what I mean? They, if they mate for life, like we ain't gonna kill one or the other before the end of the You've winter. You've heard that that they they mate for life? I've never. I've, I didn't know. I, I never heard that. So that's that's that wouldn't last very long if they did. See, that's weird to me because. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when a female comes into heat, I mean, I've seen it where there's three or four or five males, you know. Yeah, I think all it's, chasing her around for two or three days, you know. I think it's who's ever the toughest and the meanest, you know. Yeah, 
Hell yeah. And then the rest of them kind of, you know, get kicked down the same with the females. The round my place here, you know what I got going on here. I see yeah. if I got three females, only the meanest one comes actually does a full heat cycle. The subordinate ones, they don't even unless I separate them totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's unique. I don't know. That's to me, that's just what's fascinating about coyotes is because there's you know, scientific research on this is what should happen, but it's kind of like coyote hunting in general, right? Like there's nothing ever happens really. There's like probabilities, right? And educated yeah. guesses, but there's nothing that ever happens exactly the same way all the time coyote hunting, right? Like there's yeah. all these variations and different things, you know? So I guess coyotes are no different than that. Yep. I agree. I don't think you're ever going to figure it out. Man tried to eliminate them and they couldn't do it. So no no <laughs> from my dad remembers you know when they would do them what do you what do they call that they all get in a big ass circle for miles and they walk together and then they all start shooting them when they always like how can well, yeah, when they try to break the line you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't the amish i think the amish do that back in the midwest they'll do these yep. big coyote drive I mean, like you said just hundreds of guys and you stay about 40 yards from each other or whatever you know and Pretty soon, one coyote decides he's going to make a go for it and tries to bust the line and gets mowed down. You wouldn't want to have some loose cannon kid with an AR in that group, would? <laughs> I I don't. I think they only allow shotguns when they when they do that because for that simple fact, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> My grandpa, he used to tell me about cyanide that they used and all kind of. I mean, you just. They, man couldn't get rid i mean they got rid of wolves like that you know what i mean yeah. but way ain't happening yeah that's i don't know i always think about like the wolf hunting and the coyote hunting you know you talk to guys that wolf hunt and they talk about how wolf hunting is so hard you know but i always think to myself how hard could it be we like pretty much annihilated wolves to extinction right yeah you know, I you know, and it's it's one of those things. I mean, I know the challenge is finding the wolves, but yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just a weird thing. You look, you know, when you start looking at different aspects well, it, of the the thing is, there ain't four or five wolves in every section. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or around me, it looks like eight or more. Some places we weren't oh. even we where we killed that double that took a while to get there, right? Yep. How many was there there? Five? There was five. A pair come over and then three come from the right. But yeah, we you were calling for about 11, 12 minutes, I think. They'd come from, we'd heard them how way down in there. Well, we weren't we weren't a mile from where we called the aid in. Right? <laughs> yes. And yeah, so, and, and they were howling everywhere. And even with Mike the first evening, the way they were howling along the river there, the freaking coyotes were everywhere. Yeah, I couldn't. You know, and and I always wonder too, Dustin Patterson and I, you know, when we used to go down there and hunt worlds and we'd drive around howling all night, scouting areas and yeah. stuff like that. I always figured on like when you were getting coyotes to howl back, you're you might be getting like half of the coyotes to howl back, you know, maybe. Yep. So I'm like, as many as we heard, and that's what I kept thinking that first night. I'm like, holy crap, like what are the densities, you know, per square mile here? You yep. know? I mean, I five six i i don't know it was wild there's a bunch 
makes you even feel like a shittier caller when you think when the densities are five to six per square mile and you go out and you can't even call anything in, you know? Yeah. Yep. It just goes to show though, you know, you and I talk about this a lot. Like I really think when you sit down on stand, there is a specific coyote for you to kill on that stand. And if that coyote's not that specific coyote, it doesn't matter what you play a lot of times or what you do. It's you're not, nothing's going to show up. I mean, multiple stands, we had coyotes howling, Granted, at night, it's hard to tell sometimes, but we have a pretty good idea of how far these coyotes are. You know, we've done this enough. And you're like, yep. okay, these coyotes are within six, 800 yards, and there was four or five of them, and one of them shows up, you know, where the rest mm. of them kind of come in, and they, or it was just the one one of the four or five that were howling in there, he was the one. He was the, he was the aggressive one. He was the whatever coyote, you know, that was going to die that night, and the rest of them are just like, nah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Same with people, you know. Not everybody wants a free pizza. Yeah, that's true. I mean, and you and I talked about this just from raising just dogs and just watching, you know, litters of coyotes and things like that, where there's a pecking order, right? Like, there's naturally <laughs> yep. aggressive ones. Like, that's the pick of the litter, right? Like, if you're going to buy a black lab, right, Who, what's the first one to go? Oh yeah. Yep. The biggest mm -hmm. bastard that fought off the, got the best tit, you know, he eats the most, you know, and who's the last one to go? The little run ass that, yep. you know, <laughs> I mean, you see, it's no different, right? No different. No, it's yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I always wonder that, or is there just, there's naturally aggressive coyotes. There's just naturally pussy coyotes. I don't know any way to put it, you know, skittish, super skittish, just paranoid. Yep. I mean, coyotes are that way anyway, but I think there's a, some coyotes that their aggression overrides that skittishness and that, you know, yeah. paranoidness that a coyote naturally has. And those, like you said, are, are those the ones that we just keep calling in all season long till we finally kill them all. And then all we're left is these skittish ones. And everybody thinks they're just all these call shy ones that they're like, not really maybe call shy. They're just the naturally skittish. I don't know. Like the old man says about the raccoons and the pheasants, remember? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, tell, yeah, you all can repeat that because nobody was there for the conversation other than you and I. But what he said about calling raccoons? Well, my dad says he started saying it a long time ago. We used to pheasant hunt like crazy, right? We used to have pheasants everywhere. There'd be like where everywhere you go with me, there'd be an out of state group of pheasant hunters every quarter mile, right? Yeah. So, anyway, as I got older and later into high school, when we'd park and everybody'd get out of the truck, get their dogs out, the pheasants would all be flying out the other end, right? Yeah. So my old man said that we shot all the ones that set, right, for the dogs over the years, and now nothing that's left is the genetics of the ones that ran to the other, flew out as soon as they heard the door shut. So we all give him crap, but now as we're killing all these coons and having a blast doing that and he says the same thing you've shot all the aggressive coons and now the only ones that you're calling in they they hide stay hiding in the tree or they bail and go the other way so maybe we're doing the same thing with the coyotes too who knows and he's full of crap but yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i you never, I mean, I wish we, this is all stuff that we'll never know, right? Like it's, yeah. that's the frustrating part. Like 
There's no way to even, you could have the best scientist with all the gear and he still ain't going to ever know. You know, you can't figure this stuff out. Right. That's no. what makes it interesting. I, I don't know. Can they pass that stuff on? I, but that place of his right off the gravel road, you know? Yeah. The, for the, for the raccoons. We ain't filmed on there for two winters now. Yeah, I mean, I, the first time I think I ever called that with you, we had that big bitch come out of the tree and tackle the call, and then you were blasting the other ones off the branch, you know, <laughs> yeah. on that one video. I think that's yeah. the last one I've seen come running in good there. I've seen them bail out of the tree, like you said, and run the other way and stuff, you know. Now, the old house, though, I may be kind of wrecked at for you because I did, I did take – cousin bryce and his daughter over there thanksgiving so i don't know you would have thought there would have been at least one peek out of a window or something i don't know what was going on there i'm gonna go i'll go try that again here with the grandkids and i'll let you know what happens one or two of those raccoons it's, it's like um you know the the meanest aggressive raccoon gets the best hole right the best spot i don't know i'm you know do yep. they like fight them off? Like this house, like that, that house we call is just phenomenal. I mean, it's, it's like it the primo raccoon house, man. I mean, I've made that stand with you. I don't know a lot. We've always had some pretty good stuff come out of that house, but I wonder, is that like the print with the, with the raccoon, the meanest, biggest raccoon, would he rather live in that house or live in a hole in the cottonwood down on the Creek? You know? Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. So do they fill in? You know, it's kind of like coyotes. You know, you shoot a coyote out of a, an area, you know, there's a lot of factors that go into how fast a new coyote moves in there, right? But, you know, the, the carrying capacity, yep. how many other coyotes are running around the area and things like that. I wonder just if raccoons are the same way, if you kill that big mean one, because those are the ones that are running to the call, right? And, um, yeah, if you whack him, you know, is the next one, does it take, you know, a couple weeks or a month for the next one to be like, oh, okay, ooh, oh, Billy Bob's gone, you know, I'm I'm taking over, you know? Yeah, I, I don't. I below my house, I hear the raccoons. It sounds like coon distress too every night. You know, it just I think they're. I don't know. I don't know what to think for sure. Now you're making my brain smoke. Quit this trying. Is, to... This is all conversations everybody has when they go out hunting. You know, and the, they're just in between stands and talking about it. Yeah, you but, know, so. Yeah, just go hunt. Quit trying yeah. to. Answer. You know that um what do you think the chances are they ever open up raccoons at night with thermal during that thermal season? Think they'll ever do that? I don't know. I I think it would be a good idea to help to nest turkey eggs and all that kind of stuff. I, I think that would be a good idea, but if they did, they'd it kind of mess our coon calling up. It wouldn't be quite as good we just do it at night i mean how many raccoons did we called in two or three oh, you were playing rack coyote yeah. coon fight on it wasn't even really raccoon distress you were playing the coyote coon fight and yep. you, we had that pair we had a pair of raccoons run what 600 yards they come out of the corner of that field yep and we were like coyote. no damn raccoon you know the thermals are good enough yep. you can tell the difference out that far yep. you know yep. and these raccoons come running from which is like pretty much unheard of when you think about raccoons right like you're not expecting coons to come running from a half mile no way huh and these two just come barreling down the edge all the way both of them right up to the call you know i'm like damn it and then the 
the next night we had that one come clear out of the big creek and cross the road and run over the call yeah he hit it boom off he goes and yeah it's but that was weird because then we went coon calling there during the day the next day and never even saw a coon yeah yeah we saw yeah we that one came running across one almost crossed the road you yeah. know and then there was two or three more in the trees across so yeah, yeah. you're like oh man i we're gonna come right back here tomorrow this is <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so you wah, can't wah. you can't figure it out i know i everybody always said you know like oh this is a hundred percent or i don't i don't i try to dumb a stand up just kind of a reverse psychology because every time i talk about how good something is then it don't produce you know so i don't even do that oh if you if you hunt coyotes as much as we do there you, you there's no such thing as a hundred percenter anymore you know what i'm saying <laughs> like maybe for one or two stands in a row you might but then if you yeah. hunt if you hunt that place more than four or five six stands over the course of a few years yeah it's, yeah, it's tough to have a hundred percenter. Yeah. I don't even, I don't even, can't even remember even ever having one that good. <laughs> Pretty close <laughs> sometimes, especially if you don't, if you only go there once a year, you know what I mean? But yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That, that thermal's fun, man. I, you, you, is that probably all you'll do now for will you, will you even do any day hunting or now that once this weather passes and stuff, we oh. probably just thermal hunt the rest of the, the season. I don't Jimmy want Jimmy's he wants to shoot a fox and get it mounted so we're gonna try we're gonna try what we should be doing that as soon as the this wind quits blowing because I'll bet they'll be hungry and they come in good anyway he wants to get a fox so we're gonna fart around do a little bit of that in the day and then uh oh out by my brothers where we got a one a trail camera I think we've called their night hunted there oh were we the first time with Jason where we buy them bales and then pair came and you shot one and then he rolled the other one up right there. He put a camera up. I don't know, during rifle deer season, trying to find a place to take his boys. And I was just the other day flipping through pictures and there's a freaking bobcat that goes by there every day about the nope. same time. And he's got them great big black mushroom spots all up his bot i mean you know how them texas yep. ones look oh yeah yeah that thing looks like so i'm gonna we're gonna go i'm gonna go try try to call him in on a couple what's times. in those fields you know i think the time we hunted it maybe there was a maybe an alfalfa field, winter wheat or alfalfa on one side and i don't it, dirt it's, on the other or something but it's the same thing or then there's a bunch of plump thickets you didn't see it in the daytime i don't think but there's uh -huh. a bunch of it's down in there below us and yeah I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go set in that hay a few times with or without jason i'd i'd like to mount a cat of some kind like crawling up the side of my new fireplace yeah yeah oh that'd be a great addition yeah you need, you need a pile you need all that kind of stuff in there you can't just have bears big bears and stuff you know i well i'm i just Honestly, I've never really saw not knocking any any taxidermist or nothing, but I just don't see. We know I know coyotes and bobcats so well. You know what I mean. When you're just like Zach, my bear guide, he knows. You know what you know what I mean. You know yeah. every little detail about a coyote and a bobcat, and I just don't see them in the mounts. 
You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I always have said that, you know, small predators, well, even big predators, it just, you know, their eyes are in the front of their head. It just makes it's hard. It must be really hard to get it to look right, you know? Yeah. Did I ever tell you I, the story of the, of the, you know, the coyote? You've seen the coyote I have mounted. Yep. You know, probably, honestly, probably one of the best looking coyotes I've ever seen mounted. And I'm not just saying that, but, it you looks, know, the funny, it's it a looks, good one. You know, it's really good. And, you know, the, the crazy thing was is, you know, with my lawn care business, he was a local taxidermist and I mowed for him while well, I mowed for his mom's yard. And he's like, hey, instead of me paying you to mow my mom's yard, how about I just trade you a mount every season? So I was like, <laughs> so I was like oh, awesome. I, I've always wanted like this small predator collection, you know, like a bobcat, a fox, a coyote, yeah. you know, badger, all this shit. Right. So, so the very first thing he did for me was this coyote. And I was like, holy crap. I'm like, this guy's good. Right. Like, you know, so then the next year, well, that was the bobcat I shot with you. First bobcat I ever shot down there in at, with Jan, the one that yep. come up out of there, shot yep. it, brought, right. it, brought it back, had him mount it. And I'm like, okay, this is back to looking like what you don't want to see. Right. And I'm like, well, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt because you know, who knows? Well, then the next year, um, I want, I shot a badger. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have him mount this badger. Well, he mounts the badger with legs like straight out, you know, not like down, like, you know, like yeah. a badger front legs, yep. like completely straight locked out. Like it's almost sitting like a dog. Oh man. And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on here? So then I'm like, all right, I'm, I'll give him one more shot. And I don't see a lot of red Fox. So that was kind of the hardest thing to get. I finally shot a red Fox that following year. Had it, I told him I wanted it like jumping, like it was going to pounce down, you know, in the snow. Oh my God. That was the worst one yet. You know? <laughs> i've since uh i we actually just when we moved this summer i sold that bobcat and that badger mount for about 100 bucks a piece the guy that bought him thought he had hit the lottery and i'm like well as long as you think they look good bud you know i mean yeah guys <laughs> bowman taxidermy that mounted my mounted most stuff in here they they do a good job and i have a couple other friends that do a good job but i've just never never got this perfect cat like this one i got pictures of you know yeah also i i don't know if you remember a long long time ago i think it was a late season out your place march i don't i don't even remember how many years ago that was but we were calling and i shot the palest coyote i've ever seen at least for me you remember that yeah. yep i had a chance at a double and then i didn't get the sack i don't know if you, you remember that yeah, those sand, that was Sandhill Coyotes, yeah. That, that thing was almost white. Yep. So I was going to have it mounted. When I got home, I took it over to the neighbors. He's got one of them winches, you know. He can skin a, He puts up fur. He used to. He don't now. That it ain't worth nothing. But he can, you know, skin a freaking coyote in about a minute. But anyway, <laughs> just the the – I must not have kept him up on top of the stack, or I don't remember – if it was warm out there, what? But his fur was pulling, so oh, man. whatever you call it, you know, when you grab and pull on it, yeah, so, slipping. Yeah, and I've got a couple with TR that were real pale like that, and then I, I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I got some guys that that I would let mount a bobcat or a coyote, but now since I've decided that the last ten years, I just can't get that one that I want, you know. Yeah, so, yeah. Got to get this bobcat though. I'll send you some info. There's there's a guy named Brandon. He has hunters. I think it's Hunter's Edge Taxidermy in Omaha. 
I've Brandon came out on a hunt a long time ago. I'll send you some pictures. Probably the best cats I've ever seen. And he's up at Omaha and not far. He's who I'd have mount a cat if, you know, but he does quite a few of them just because that's that, you know, there's a lot of them in that country. I'll send you some pictures when we're off here. Yeah, do but, that. I, I'll probably let my guys, the guys that mounted to Lucky and all the, most of the other stuff in my place, they, they do an awesome job on cats. I just, I just want that special one, you know, the different, unique one. Oh, yeah. You know, the cats, I, I tell you, it disappoints me when I've been down there, you know, filming for the last stand in Arizona. I know you've never had a chance to go down there with us, but, you know, surprisingly, those are probably some of the prettiest cats I've ever seen down there for whatever crazy reason. I mean, I, I've never figured it out. Like, why are these desert bobcats? It's kind of like the Texas ones, like, right? Like, you get these, they always have these badass spots and stuff. And then your yeah. cats, damn near look like rabbits half the time, you know? Yep, they do. Yeah, but I don't know why they. My problem is that we shot, you know, Dustin shotgunned one there. It was a big one, like a 30, 31 pounder right at the call. Big wow. Tom. Pretty. Problem is, it's like 72 degrees down there, and we're staying in a hotel. It's like, okay, how do we, yep. how do we even get that, you know, and then you got to get it tagged before you leave the state. And it's just, man, it's like, damn, you know, it's just so hard to try to get something back to get it mounted when you shoot it down there when it's not warm and, you know, you're trying to, you know, make it happen. You'd about have to skin it, get it in a freezer. Yeah. And we all know I'm not doing that. So <laughs> Patterson could. That little oh. yeah. Yeah. So I've sent him out there at night at the hotel in the parking lot, you know, out there skinning something, you know. Yeah. Have it strung up on the, on a balcony or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for these la last few minutes of this podcast, I want to I want to specifically talk about bobcats because we talked about this on the previous podcast when you're on here uh, about calling bobcats, right? I don't, I don't got patience for them no more. I know you don't. You just want to go. Your dad even told you that. God damn it, you just go straight to the coyote fights anymore, you know? Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Back in the day, I mean, you killed a lot of bobcats, you know, just being in Kansas. Obviously, you have lots of cats to call. Um I I killed more bobcats with a 22 mag than most people have with every gun they got. <laughs> Was that the same one he mounted the video camera to? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then, do you think, do you feel like you called in more bo bobcats then than now? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Is that because, do you think if, uh, I want to pose a question to you. Is it real? Is it because back then you were using mostly hand rabbit hand calls, right? Yeah. Or is it now because you're using an e call and you're playing a lot more coyote fights and pup distresses? Well, both. The main reason, a little bit of both. A little bit of both, and I was kind of like Patterson back in the good old days. I'd get right up. I'd get. I'd have that. I'd have that ten gauge or somebody with that ten gauge, and I'd be right up right either in it or right next to it because i always had a chance to call a bobcat so i didn't want to sit you know if i got a chance to call a bobcat and i for sure got a chance to call a coyote right one way to not call a bobcat stay too far away from the cover follow me yep yeah yeah they don't so, yeah of course they don't want to come running across maybe sometimes they do but they don't they do. always want to come come running across a couple hundred yards open you know, pressure or something, you know, or dirt or whatever it is. I don't know. I just got to, 
I hunted like Patterson, you know, back in then them days. Plus, I didn't I mean, think that I didn't think the hand call, you know, would reach the volume, even though you know what I mean. I don't yeah. know. I did it like Patterson. I was right up next to the thick crap. Somebody with a shotgun, maybe two. Did you, you know, kind of the common perception with bobcats? It seems like if you ask ten coyote hunters, how are you going to go call a bobcat? Most of them are going to say, "Oh, you got to sit there a lot longer than you would for coyotes." Did you ever do that, or did you, or were you just you kept the same stand yeah. time or similar? I can't sit still very long, you know. No, I don't do it any different than I, we do now. Thirteen, fifteen minute stands, maybe twenty, and only I only at twenty minutes if I hear some blue jays sound like they're following a bobcat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, no. And I probably missed out on some coyotes or some bobcats by not staying so long. But still, I'm still a numbers guy. The more stands you make, you know what I mean? The I just feel like the more stands you can make, the better, more stuff you're going to kill. Well, to me, that's where people, sometimes, you know, if somebody says, oh, you got to sit on a stand for 30, 45 minutes for a bobcat, to me, it's counterproductive because what's what's the challenge it's bobcats are freaking dumb right like compared to yeah. a coyote yeah. but what we talked about it what's the challenge of calling in a bobcat setting up where you're close to a bobcat right yep so to me it always seemed like so the name of the game is what covering ground right like yeah and if you're yep. sitting there for 45 minutes you're covering half of the amount of ground that day if you're specifically wanting to go kill a, a bobcat then if you're making you know 15 minute stands to me, it's all about the, and you've called in a lot more cats than me, so you, you can tell me if this makes sense or not. You know, from the from the bobcats I've seen, if you have the same sound playing, I've seen them come running just in some of the openness and stuff I've hunted. I've seen them come running from a couple, 300 yards, and then they get within that, like, 80, 90-yard bubble, right? And then yeah. the bobcats, like, okay, boom, that's when they lock up and they start sneaking and they sit there, right? Yep. But it seems like every time you switch up the sound, if you have, especially like on e-call where I can go from like Tweety yep. Bird to Baby Cottontail yep. Demise, to, every time you do that, they perk up and then here they come. And then and then they yep. come a certain amount of distance and then it's like they just are like, eh, they lose interest, right? Yep, yep. And then if you I'm... Switch, the, switch the sound. Yep. Back in the day with a hand call, what would you see that? Would you Did you have different hand calls that you would, or do you just keep blowing the same one every so often and they just keep coming? Yeah, I blowed the same one normally. I'd change sometimes, but normally it's the same one, but get crazier, you know what I mean? Don't don't yeah. even sound crap, but like TR TR used to tell me he'd sit there and listen to me call and he'd say, I wonder what an animal or a coyote or bobcat would actually think that sound's supposed to be. So I I don't know. But I I firmly believe you, you need to get close to where you think they're at and you make the stand however long you want to make it i don't care if you want to sit there for an hour but i ain't gonna <laughs> well you know what i'm teaching now when i do my schools and stuff like this and this is kind of something just in the last year or two being down in arizona where i have a chance to call in cats you know because i yeah. don't have that opportunity here is i'll do a I have a special folder that I, I have a new, an SD card that I call my Arizona SD card. Right. And cause for whatever reason, where, when we go down there, I found like the coyote fights and that kind of stuff don't work as good as they do in most of the other places I hunt, for whatever reason, I don't know. But 
when you have that opportunity to call in a cat every stand, like I said, you don't want to always go right to the pup fights too yeah. often, right? Or too <laughs> early. So, so what I started doing was I would play five different prey distress sounds, you know, like a, a TNT, you know, Tweety Bird, Lucky Pecker, Baby Cottontail Demise, and Lip Squeaks. And I'd play each one of those for two minutes. Yeah. Five of them in a row, just boom, boom. So then at, at the 10 minute mark, I've now played five different prey distress sounds, which every switching up every two minutes, I feel like those cats that are only a couple hundred yards, you keep just drawing them before. And then you'll finally, eventually, hopefully see them. Yeah. Maybe, you know. And yep. then at that point, at the 10 minute mark, I'm like, all right, screw it. There's, you know, you know, I've given the Bobcat a chance and play some pup fights and pup distresses and stuff like that for the last, you know, maybe four or five minutes. Does that make sense? Does that make any sense to you from the cats that you've seen come to a call over the years? A sequence yeah. like that. Yeah. Like if I go try get after this cat, I was telling you about, I'm going to play, I'm going to play a difference. I might wait three minutes though. I might wait. I might play a different sound. That's what I'm going to do. I'm yeah. going to I'm, same thing you did. Which you wouldn't do that. I mean, you're like me. I would never play like five prey distress sounds in a row for coyotes. No, right? never. No. Yeah. So that's kind of the the trade off there is that the the cat you're trying to keep enticing it. You know, I don't know. We're heading to Arizona again here, in the middle part of the week. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a go again. I'm gonna spend a little more time refining that uh, strategy technique you know i'll let you know how it works on my end with this spotted one (laughs) yeah i'd like to like see you get that one i hope i can i probably won't though because i'll probably like the old man says he'll sit there for five minutes and then he'll turn some coyote fight on (laughs) i remember back in the day i remember i was deer hunting one spot this is probably almost 20 years ago you know it was fairly new to coyote hunting at the time hadn't you know Killed a whole lot of coyotes at that point, but I remember seeing a bobcat in an area when I was rifle deer hunting, and I went back to that area. There was was one canyon, you know. I I went back there maybe six times that winter, thinking, okay, these bobcats aren't going to. If I saw him in there, he's going to be in there, you know. I mean, and I I would you know at the time that was my mentality because that's all you hear and read. Oh, you better sit there a long time and stuff. Shit, I I think I made six stands there that whole winter. Never did ever see a cat ever. Called in a, a coyote one time at one of those stands, but yeah. Have you ever? What what? I mean, realistically, what are you thinking? You go back. You got this cat on trail cam. What yeah. are you thinking? What do you think your chances are that that you ever see that cat calling? Mm, I don't. Probably probably fifty fifty because I really 50/50? don't. He lives. It used to be. I knew where they lived, right? Brush piles, like the coons in the old house. I yeah, used yeah. to, I used to try to figure them cats out. You know what I mean? And we would pheasant hunt, and I would see cats have a like a little litter box, just like a like house cats do. And I would see them places, you know, when we're pheasant hunting, wherever a pheasant lives is where the freaking bobcats are going to be. Cl- it's gnarly, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. But I had all these brush piles, and with them brush piles, we'd set up and call and watch bobcats crawl out of them, just like we watched the coons crawl out of them. So I don't know. I just I studied them harder and knew figured out where they were living. I think more than yeah, know where where this spotted one is. I I'm hoping he's living in them 
and plum thickets that are about 200 yards away from where I'm getting pictures of him, but he probably ain't. I don't know. I know one, I know one thing. You can call them in and screw them up and go right back and call them in again. Uh, when really? Jason, yeah, when Jason, my brother, was in high school, we go to this brush pile, call this cat in. He misses it, and I could tell her I was filming. I could tell there was something wrong with it. And we got home, put this, it was that high eight, old high eight, you know, the big yeah, tape, yeah. not VHS, but something else. So we, yep. but you loaded it in a VHS, like a, you, you put this, you know what I mean? Yeah. In, in a VHS, but it went in the middle there. Yeah. TV, we're watching it. This thing ain't got a back right leg, like clear up high. I don't know how it would have lost it. So the next weekend, we go right back, sit in the same freaking place, play Tweety, hand call, the same exact everything, and this same cat climbs out of this brush pile and comes in and Jason shoots three no legs. Yeah. So, and he shot at it the weekend before. That's wild. I, they're, they're dumb, you know, and I think, I think they're really predictable where a coyote ain't. Yeah, that's... That's crazy, you, get, you know. I also think people call cats in and don't see them. I always had an eye for scanning the evergreens and looking, and I could see them. It looked reminded me of an owl sitting back in the. They'll stop in behind. You know what? I just think I just think I had an eye for. I think people call them in all the time. They just don't see them. They get up and leave, and the cat was there the whole time. I think. Well, I think that's where these e-calls with the remotes are a huge advantage for cats, right? I mean, back in the day, you're blowing a hand call. I mean, that cat is locked on right to you. You're moving a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Now you get that e-call out. Now, and then plus, it's like anything in the cat. It's like <laughs> you and I stalking the deer. They're coming straight at you, right? It's hard to pick up moving when something comes straight at you, right? Yeah, yeah. You're able to get that e-call out there 30, 40, 50 yards, and now the cat's stalking that. Now they're almost off at an angle. They're not coming right towards you. I think it makes it definitely a little easier trying to kill these damn things, you know. Randy, in the late 90s, early 2000s, Glenn Zink, his buddy, wanted to shoot a cat. And he's like, can I bring Glenn out here? And I'm like, heck yeah. So they come out. And then the first cat I call in, it, it stops in an evergreen, right? And yeah. I can I can see just a, like an image of a bobcat in there. And we're not even 50 yards from it. And I'm like, it's in there. You know, we're whispering and they can't, they, they finally, the thing got nervous, you know, and I think it started to turn around and they saw it. And I called several cats in that they just never did see forever. You know, I just think people don't see most of them when they get there. It's speaking of coyote fight stuff you remember when me and you and patterson were on the river and sean was mad because he didn't film me shooting that cat oh, remember? yeah in the tree row yeah that came into kryptonite yeah i don't know if you remember that i've heard that you know well i've i've actually seen a, a big tom bobcat come in i was three pup distresses deep we'd <laughs> shot a coyote we had shot a coyote early on rabbit so i'm just rolling through the pup distresses you know eight nine minutes into the stand now and this big tom bobcat shows up so yeah it's yeah. kind of like i think it's got to be a special cat that's you know wanting to you know whip some yep. ass that's for sure you know i actually howled one in one time quite a few years ago <laughs> no kidding oh, why it came to that but it did 
Was it hand calling or howling off the e call? Hand hand call howl. Hand yeah, off a horn howler. So I don't know what it was doing. Well, that just tells you how terrible you were at howling. It and didn't I sound like a coyote howl. I was bad. I couldn't do it. <laughs> you know, the first the first bobcat I ever killed, I was in high school. My buddy and I were hunting. And we're you know out in this country. Remember that canyon country where you get those pine trees and stuff. You know, we were yep. hunting a, a ranch like that and. Uh, well, it was at my uncle's ranch where we filmed there that one morning. You met my cousin and, and things when we were filming for the last stand. Yep. Yep. It was right there. And I was sitting on the rim and blowing, you know, hand call and hadn't seen anything. We we stand up to leave and this bobcat had snuck in like 30 yards below us, took off running down the canyon. Boom. Got one shot. My buddy got one shot off and missed it. And at the time we didn't know. I'm like, well, I wonder if that cat went up a tree. So I. You know, just stupid stuff that we try to think of, right? Right, Not yeah. knowing. So I'm like, well, I'm going to go walk down in the canyon and see if that cat happened to run up a tree. So I'm hiking down in there, and he stayed up there. All of a sudden, I hear this, boom, this shot, and I see this cat between me and him jump up in the air. And uh, I was like, holy crap, he got it. Well, he ended up shooting the kitten. <laughs> it, oh. was the, it was the mom and the little kitten. And she took off, but the kitten must have got left, you know, and didn't know what it I mean, this I felt bad, dude. This thing was like eight pounds. I mean, it was like <laughs> like if yeah, if we had called this in, you'd have gave it a free pass. But yeah, I mean that thing snuck in and oh, we never had a clue what we were even doing or what to look for, you know. It's Yeah, I called in a cat for Jimmy one time. Oh, where we were went over to his father in law's and then one's two back us and you got a shot at him or whatever yep, in the, yep. uh, the tree whatever happened there the yeah. tree was in the way. well we caught that's boy you killed a cat there with jimmy father in there. yeah the one i hit that jumped yeah yeah right, yeah he yeah. shot at it going across the creek yeah. yeah well right there like where them coyotes came from yep. we used to make one stand there and then go on down in there where you shot that one so i'm calling over there and see a cat show up and he whacks it and then two more little ones he shot like the whole family mom and two little ones I, he was gonna have them mounted but he never did and they were little like little squirts like the size of a rabbit yeah. <laughs> it didn't he didn't feel bad no <laughs> uh, good stuff good stuff huh. well I'm gonna let you get going. I know you're probably ready to. Oh, you head don't. To town. You, don't, you don't want to talk about the 22 pistol and you shot the coon with it, and I couldn't make it happen. Oh well, I was gonna let people just find out that for themselves. You know, get to see that phenomenal display of shooting. You yeah, know, it was good. It was good. <laughs> you did it. Oh, you know, if you've watched the Last Stand before, you know we're always Rick's always comes up with these crazy ass ideas how we're gonna shoot these raccoons. You know, last year it was a little stagecoach shotgun. At, five feet you know although we brought that this time yeah he had his little 22 long rifle pistol yep and we decided we would try to get that the tricky part with that is it's it, you got to get him right square in the head or now, yep. the first one that you had that come running up and the damn safety wasn't on you yeah, put two but... or, you hit him two or three times running off but he kind of crawled up into that log you know and yep yep uh that one I, then i tried i didn't i shoot at another one i didn't get right uh was that the one there was that other one that come in from right from the left of you 
Was that the one? And he come uh, running right by the call? Or yeah. that the one where your gun was on safe? And that was the one where my gun was on safe, yeah. So that was the two chances I had then, wasn't it? No. Yeah. I had a couple chances with Patterson the last day, well, but yeah. I threw it around, you know, trying to get the call. Remember, we decided <laughs> to put that GoPro on it. So I, I had to do one or the other. So I was just enjoying having a good time there that you know, last that's, morning. that's what that is man we laugh we laugh more doing that shit than yeah anything else you know it's like because you know i we probably get pissed off you know coyote gets away you're kind of like God dang it you know Racco yeah. a raccoon runs off you're kind of like okay no no biggie man <laughs> right yeah but you never Next had i got the i got the i'm not gonna lie i did get the best opportunity to shoot one with the pistol i mean that thing comes straight out from me right mm. to the call i mean i was shooting the thing at like three four yards i mean so i, yeah. I did have the best opportunity that that was that was what i was looking for for sure but <laughs> you did you got him you did good but stra the know. strategy on that you know as the call so loud <laughs> you know one interesting thing from that that i had never really realized is those damn raccoons run to where the damn speakers pointed right they do they i noticed that too and i hadn't noticed that before like they there were several times you, a, a raccoon comes from the left you got the speaker kind of pointed you know off to the right a little bit and yep. the damn thing would run out in front of us and make like a j-hook right back into where the speaker was pointed yep i don't know if that's because they weren't sure exactly where the sound was at for sure I don't know. I don't understand that either. That, and I noticed that too, at least twice, right? Yeah. I thought, oh, this one's doing a drive-by, you know, it's not even coming to the yeah. call. And then all of a sudden it would just hook and come right dead into the speaker. And I'm like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. That Those will be some good, those will be some entertaining episodes amongst all the thermal carnage, you know. Next, next year, we're going to just use the old revolt and we'll put it on that little short tripod. That way it don't look, it ain't so big and mean because i thought surely we'd have a few of them just crash that call but they they just they banged into it some didn't they yeah that one kind of come up and headbutted it you know but it not we didn't have one that just every other year we've had one just come and just just mow it down yeah and you know you and i were talking about that maybe because of that super revolt it's up on that little bit taller tripod and then we had a yep. gopro mounted on top of that hell the thing was sitting two foot off the ground you know it yep. almost maybe yep. was a little too intimidating when the the mm -hmm. raccoon come running up to it, you know. But we'll we'll try a little something different. I'll have some new ideas next year. <laughs> you got twelve months to think about it. So I am going to go back to that house here in a couple of weeks, and I'll let you know what comes out of there. Yeah, well, maybe the big mean one from down the crickaways, you know, moved in and took over the coon house. Yeah, that that's weird that nothing showed there. Well, like you said, too, they could have been running out the back door, headed down they, to the creek. We've yeah. seen them do that before, you know. We just wouldn't have been able to see it. <laughs> you want to you wanna see Lucky real quick, you think? Yeah, people? for everybody watching this on YouTube, um, yeah, we got to go see. Rick just put this <clears throat> new badass addition onto his house this summer. He'd been slaving away all summer. Had to listen to him whine about that, you know. Finally got to kill some coyotes, finally. All right, you tell but me. Now you can see Miss. You can see Lucky here now. There, he is. oh, there he is. No, 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 oh, yeah. Yet. Oh, you're gonna start over with the. Well, 
even know where I'm looking here. There you okay, go. there's fireplace Jimmy and I and Jan built. Yeah, I agree. A good bobcat climbing up that thing would be pretty pretty sweet. Yeah. Or another big mountain lion, like you said. Well, I don't know if Ozzy will let me do that. That's the Am moose that you and TR shot on that one trip, right? When you first time up there trying to call? Yep. There's Cheyenne's black bear. What way am I turning here? And yep. there's... Oh, wait a minute. Damn trees in the way. Hell, I can't figure out how to do that. No, there's Lucky. There he is. There he is. Yeah, that turned Seam out pretty sweet. Seam? Yep. Yep. If you guys listen to, you know, Rick and I did a podcast on that bear when he got back from that thing. And he finally got it in. You basically had to build this huge addition just so you had a place to put him, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, it was my two-car garage. Of course, you yeah. know that. Yeah. <laughs> then I just built another shed next to it. How's yeah, you got look? lots of room in there. You need to add some stuff. Well, Cindy's got furniture coming. I was gonna. Oh, put you got a lot of space on the wall. I'm talking about. You know. I don't. I don't want to cover all that freaking wood up, Jimmy. Yeah, that's true. No. That is pretty cool wood. All right, that enough. All, all them little baby deer you got on the wall. Yeah, Nobody wants giant, to see those. Giant shot, most of them. <laughs> That's what a good dad does. That's right. Daughter shoot all the big ones. That's kind of hard to do. Walk around with this thing, looking at that little. Looking at the other way. Yeah. Yeah, technology's never really been your friend, Rick. So. No, that's a fact. I don't like it either. Did you hear me? Uh, yeah. Well, before I let you go, what? Uh, I suppose you've been busy selling calls still. Got, yep. got everything going yep. on the website, Verminator, yep. verminatorpc.com. Hey, I'm doing the back doing the free battery pack with the Roughneck, too. All right. Nice. Well, yeah. Yeah. If you guys are in the market for a Lucky Duck e call, you know, Rick's website's the place to go. He sells everything that you can get anywhere else. But the cool part about what he does, and it kind of sucks when I'm out there hunting with him because Rick's has to spend a couple hours every morning getting calls ready to ship off. But, you know, he opens up every box. He's going to go through the call. He's going to double check to make sure everything's worked. Everything's, you know, good to go. And then what? You add on how many extra sounds for him? Oh, 300 bucks worth of Rick's Killers free. Yeah. Shoot, you know, free shipping at checkout. I don't know what else I could do. No, and I don't. I don't mess around. If you got troubles, you ain't happy. You can message me on Facebook, you know, Messenger or whatever. I I don't. I don't fool around with stuff. Yeah, no, that's that's what guys want, man. I know it kind of sucks when you're trying to get stuff done, but I can contest that you will take care of them before you worry about going out and shooting <laughs> coyotes. Yeah, that's right. I'm I'm all about the customer service. <laughs> Heck yeah. Well, yeah verminatorpc.com you still have any D your old dvds on there for sale i don't think so no, no. somebody asked to... me about your bowmania they said somebody sent me a message hey you know how i can get a hold of one of them bowmania dvds that rick has and i'm like Ops. i don't know if he even has any anymore but you know i didn't I, know if... I, do, I do have some of them left i don't know if they're on the site though i'll ask cindy so there you go. If you buy a call in the if you buy a call from Rick in the notes section, say please add a Bowmania DVD and you'd probably throw one in 
for him, wouldn't you? I would, I would throw one in. There I think go. we can put that in your notes part. section. Yeah, put that in the notes, and I'll throw one in. <laughs> I can't. My eyes are. I can't even see the fun. I can't with my glasses on. I can't see. I got to go see the eye doctor. That's, well, I'm getting. You have to look through that little thermal screen and stuff. It, they say thermals, man, might be bad on your eyes. They don't know. There's not a lot of testing done on that, you know. Well, at my age, I don't care. Uh, <laughs> well, buddy, it's always fun, man. Right. Yep, it's always thanks, fun. Yep. Before, before I let you go, I got to thank all of our sponsors. Obviously, that makes uh, makes this work. Um, Six Hour Optics, Swagger Bipods, Hornady, Lucky Duck Predator Calls, Silencer Central, Cryptech, Onyx Hunt, and, of course, Eastman's for bringing you guys – this podcast uh if you're in the big game world you can head over to their website which is eastmans.com to see their whole line of podcasts not just the predator one they got uh, big game bow hunting waterfowl you name it they got them all so you can check those out but as always guys i appreciate you guys listening your feedback goes a long way you know those five-star reviews on spotify itunes things like that uh, make this podcast continue to go the way it is going so uh, appreciate that but until next time we'll catch you right here on eastman's predator pros podcast <laughs>